Thanks for joining us for this podcast. We hope that it inspires you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about the life and ministry of City Lights Church and how you can connect with us at city-lights.church. Well, this morning I'm continuing our series called Grow. And this series is all about spiritual growth. And I hope uh, that you have had a chance uh, to be encouraged by that. If you are listening on podcast and you haven't listened to the first couple, you can go back, you can hit pause and go back. But this is an incredible series because God's intention for each and every one of us is for us to grow. When we understand that God is the one who designed us in a personal way and who knows us and who wants the best for us and who knows what it is for us to be fully alive, then we want to take some time to open the Bible, the Word of God, and to study what that means for us. And so this morning I'm continuing that series and this series. And I want you to think about this. If we were to go out and we were to go to a local nursery or somewhere around about, and we were to buy a little pot plant with a little plant in it, just a tiny one, just something that it's just begin to begin to sprout. And if we were to do that, we would understand, most of us would understand that for us to see that small plant grow into its full potential, what would we have to do? we would have to consider the environment in which we put it. We know that every plant has conditions for which that plant will grow and thrive. Everyone knows this, right? So if we understand what that plant needs in terms of nutrients, in terms of sunlight, in terms of water, in terms of positioning and soil... Once we understand that, then those are the conditions where that plant will actually start to naturally and organically grow. So the environment matters. And when it comes to spiritual growth, environments are everything. In the same way that when you get a little plant and you put it in the right place, God has designed each and every one of us to be the same, that there are conditions for us to thrive. And I think we would all understand this, at least by experience, that there are environments and conditions where we become fully alive, and there are also environments and conditions which are at, at best stunt our growth, but at worst are toxic to our spiritual growth and our life, and the flourishing of our soul and our spirit deep within. Psalm chapter 1 has the vivid description of an environment that's needed to thrive and be fruitful. In Psalm 1 verse 3, it talks about a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, Whatever they do prospers. So whether we thrive, whether we live a life of substance, whether we live a life on purpose, 
whether we become something of strength, not just strength for ourselves, but hopefully strength for others. And when we get to a point where through the process of natural growth, we actually have something to share, which is fruit, it's portable life that we can give, all that depends on this, the word planting. It all depends on this word planting. Now, what we see from this particular passage is we see the power in planting. When this passage says that it is planted by streams of water, one of the ways that we could translate that better is that it's actually planted by canals of water. What does this mean? It means that there is someone who is designing, the person who is planting is actually designing the environment for that living thing to flourish and over time in the process have access to all the nutrients that it needs and the environment that it needs to flourish. So it's deliberately planted by canals, streams of water. There is organization and irrigation by the planter in order for those things to happen, for that tree in every season to be green and alive and for in season it to be fruitful. So what does it mean to be planted? And to understand this, we need to go back a verse to the first part of Psalm 1. And it says this, it says, Blessed is the one, there's a little bit in between, we'll come back to that, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Now we might read that and go, oh, that means rules and laws, like police have rules and laws. It's probably better translated instruction. The first five books of the Old Testament were referred to as the law. But if you read the first five books of the Old Testament, the first part is a story. The first part is a story of how sin, our rejection of God, damages us, damages families, ruins relationships, ruins all kinds of things, right? That would be classed as law. And in fact, a summary that Jesus actually approved of when someone said, how could we summarize the law, the story and the instruction, the way of living? It was this, love God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That is how Jesus summarized the first five books of the Bible. So when we hit this term that says we delight in the law, it actually means that we delight in God. It actually that means that we delight in living God's way. And that's what we need to understand as we encounter this passage. And the person that is planted by God loves to live their life following the ways of God. Your heart is in it and your mind is focused on it. Here's how the Apostle Paul, I believe he summarizes this whole idea and this concept in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6, and it says, And now, just as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you are taught and you will overflow 
with thankfulness. Do you see very similar things? It means that a couple of things. Here's how I'd summarize it. That firstly, we need to encounter Jesus. We have relationship with God. He is not this kind of this distant, disapproving figure, but we recognize him as a person. And we recognize that he wants to encounter us and meet us on, in our heart, at our heart level. As difficult as that is to explain, I think most people understand that experientially and relationally. The second thing is that we learn to follow the ways of Jesus. This is what it means to delight in the law, to delight in loving God and to delight in loving those around us, to actually do what Jesus asks us to do and then to establish our lives in Jesus. It means that we are just settled that God's plan and God's design for our life, even though it may not be what we would have imagined, we trust that he is the grand designer And he is an architect and landscaper and gardener who knows what we need to flourish. And there is a key decision that we must make, we're urged to make, if we want to grow spiritually. And a lot of things hang on this decision, whether we'll thrive, whether we'll live a life of substance and purpose, whether we'll make a positive impact on the people around us, Whether we'll have strength for others and something to share, it depends on this key decision. And the key decision is this. Will we allow ourselves to be planted? Will we allow ourselves to be planted? Now, we cannot make ourselves grow, but we can allow ourselves to be planted. You know the key difference between us and plants is that plants don't choose their location, but humans do. Now, I have a number of trees and plants in my backyard. Never have I woken up in the morning, walked out on my back deck, and I I have a conversation with a tree, and I say, what are you doing here? And they're saying, look, so-and-so, we just don't get along anymore. I don't like the shade in that area. It doesn't suit my skin type. I've had a conflict, or I think there's a better opportunity in another location. I don't get along with so-and-so like I do. And we as humans, we choose our location, and then the location that we choose actually determines whether we thrive or spiritually or not. Are you with me? Who, like me, has at times chosen very badly environments? You don't have to put your hands up, but there is an overwhelming response. There's a wave, like a Mexican wave, like we're at the Gabba. We have chosen bad environments, and sometimes we choose bad environments that we know are bad because of previous experience and we choose them again and again and again. But God, by his grace, has a different plan and a different design for us, but we've got to allow ourselves to be planted because most of the time we are on the move. 
And it's interesting in the first part of Psalm 1 that the contrast to the flourishing tree that is planted and fruitful is actually people on the move. Have you ever noticed this? That the contrast, what God is saying is healthy, is people that their roots go down deep in God, they are in great environments, and they are located there permanently, versus what do we see here in verse 1? Blessed in the what is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. And so do you see that? We've got one, that God's design is that we be planted in the ways of God, we be planted in the presence and person of Jesus, and we allow things to flourish from that versus a person who is like window shopping for the best life, maybe because they... Uh, Maybe because they don't know better or no one's ever invited them into it or maybe because of whatever reason, maybe because of things that have happened, but they are on the move. They are following other ways and they are saying, I don't want the ways of God. I want to kind of create my own life based on what suits me. And note the, note the progression. There's one person who says, I delight in loving God and loving others, and I'm planted versus the person who plants themselves. One is planted by God, the other person plants themselves because there is a progression where they are walking, standing, sitting. Sometimes have you ever said this or heard this phrase that when you go to sit down, you say, oh, you sit down, you relax. I'm just going to plant myself here. I'm just going to locate myself here. And so when it says to stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, what does that mean? When we say sinners, are we saying people that are like criminals or drug dealers or something like that? No, a sinner is just someone who at its heart, someone who just rejects God, who says in their life, I don't need God. I'll do things my own way. The sinner is not necessarily the, the person that wants to do violence to you. It's just the person who at their heart, they just say, I don't need God in my life. I'm just going to go my own way. I don't need to follow God's way. What can we say about mockers? Mockers are people who laugh at you because of your decision and your conviction to follow Jesus. I remember in my workplace, I used to have a guy who mocked me. He used to call me a happy clapper. And it was accurate. I didn't have a problem with it. It was factually correct. <laughs> I grew up in a Pentecostal church with lots of clapping, and I'm incredibly good at it. <laughs> I'll do a demonstration. I will not. Because you can't handle it. All right? I don't want to blow too many people's minds this early in the message. And I'm happy. Yeah. So people want to mock you. People want to criticize you. People are like, why are you following Jesus? Well, that's restrictive or that's harmful. Why do you want to do that? That's what it means to be a mocker. 100% you will get opposition for choosing the ways of God. And so there's a contrast here. The people that are following the, the ways of this world 
and people who are following the path that God has chosen. And there's an encouragement that in that, if we want to be a person of strength and purpose and life and fruitfulness, have that deep peace and that flow of God in our life, we have to choose to be planted. And there is power in planting. Let me give you a couple of things of what this means. To be planted means that we embrace the miracle of the local church. And the miracle of the local church is a miracle in many parts. My beautiful wife who's sitting on the front row, when she was 21 years old, she walked into a church for the first time in her life. No church background, no religious background. She walked into church. What did she notice? This, this environment is different. These people are happy. That's what she noticed. Very soon, she began to experience... Hello? Mic change. Very soon, she began to experience the presence of God. She didn't quite know what it was. Like, what, what is happening? So she goes from in her life, in the, in a, probably in around about three to four weeks, was that about that, that time, to playing uh, competition tennis on a Saturday and then going out partying on a Saturday night to coming into a new environment and a different environment that she recognised by its, what we would say, its fruit. She recognised by the people around. She recognised by the presence of God. She recognised by the genuine joy when she encountered other people. And she very quickly just changed her whole life and has never looked back. And the first miracle of the local church is the miracle of changed lives. When you talk to people, you will hear their stories and it might be easy to judge someone who looks happy and peaceful and go, oh, maybe their whole life has been like that. Maybe they've just had this perfect life. But actually, once you start to hear their story, you'll see that God has actually met them in a real and powerful way and transformed them from the inside out. That is the first miracle of the local church. The second miracle of the local church is that it actually works. Like, I'm surprised. Because the local church is a group of imperfect people who are responding to a revelation of Jesus Christ. That is one of the definitions of the local church. So people are coming from all kinds of backgrounds, and this is amazing that the only reason that a group so diverse of so many cultures, so many different stories, so many different backgrounds, is that we all gather because of Jesus. This environment, this room is so unique. Why is it so unique? Because I, don't, I can't think of many other places in our society where we have such a diversity of ages and cultures all in the same room at the same time for the same purpose. But when you get a group of imperfect people together, you're going you're gonna to have some problems, aren't you? You are. 
And sometimes, but also inevitably, when you get a group of imperfect people, those people are actually, they'll make mistakes. And you'll 100% inevitably get offended and get hurt. Why? Because God has brought imperfect people together. And it's in this imperfect gathering of people we often find difficulty. Now, we shouldn't be surprised if we've ever read the Bible or the story of the birth of the church. In the Bible, there are 15 named churches in the New Testament, and 13 of them get a letter from somebody. And the letter is a letter that is like a guidebook to help them deal with all the problems that they have. The other two still have problems, but they just don't get a letter. So of all the 15, the only two that don't get a letter, church in Jerusalem, church in Antioch. The rest of them get a letter, I've heard about this, here's what you do. I've heard about this, here's how you're encouraged, etc., etc. Now we must understand, and I love this quote from Eugene Peterson, it says this, church is the textured context into which we what? Grow up into Christ to maturity. What does it mean to grow up into Christ? Is that over time that we begin to actually live like Jesus, to think like Jesus, to act like Jesus, and to love like Jesus. That over time, the words of our mouth, not just on a Sunday, but in our homes, they begin to reflect the love and grace of Jesus. And church is the place that God designed for that to happen. It's not the only place, but it is an essential place. But here it goes on. It says, but church is difficult. And I want to say that is true. That's inevitable. Church will be difficult. Because why? Because there's imperfect people. Because you're going to be let down. Your expectation of others is not going to be met. But it says sooner or later, if we are serious about growing up in Christ, we will have to deal with the church. Now, at some point, many Christians struggle with the church. Here are the main ways that they struggle. Sometimes they think that church is irrelevant and ineffective. They say, well, my life is not better because of church. I don't need church to live the Christian life. I would be better off chilling, relaxing on a Sunday morning, doing something else. That's often what we think. Some people become disappointed and disillusioned by church usually because they have an expectation that's actually not grounded in what we see in the New Testament. They sometimes romanticize the church and think that instead of being a place of imperfect people responding to Jesus, we're on a journey together. It doesn't mean we tolerate bad behavior. It's just that we're gathering people together who are in the process of learning and growing and becoming like Jesus. And so some people are disappointed and disillusioned. There's a number of ways that you can do that. We can romanticize church. We can make it this kind of utopian thing where 
everybody loves me and everybody wants me to uh, do whatever I want and, and everybody's encouraging. And I want to say that that is nice, but that's not reality. That is our goal is that we actually do that. The reason why that doesn't happen most of the time is because you and us, you and I, we are on the process of learning how to encourage others and learning how to love others. And sometimes, and this is particularly relevant to us in Western societies, sometimes we can think about church in consumer terms. Why would we do that? Because we have a marketing system that is trains us to think about things in what is good for me, what suits my schedule, what suits my family, what suits my preferences. Now, I want to encourage you that I know from a fact that church is a place where you will find life and church is a place where you will grow and church is a place that you will learn to love and come truly alive. But it can't be all about us. It can't be all about me. It's never an expectation. Churches, go back to that. Church is a place where we learn to love God and love others, where we learn to receive love and give love. So that's the second miracle of the church that actually works. The third miracle is this, that it does work. How does it work? It's only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, if you've ever read the Bible, there's a book which is actually split up in two parts. It is the book of Luke and Acts. It's actually one book divided into two. Luke is a gospel, meaning it is a story of Jesus about the life and teachings and death, resurrection of Jesus. And Acts is a story of the local church. How did we get from Jesus to where we are? Well, we need Acts to help us understand that. Now, the the fascinating thing about Luke and Acts is actually that they are parallel stories. And this is fascinating. So here's what we understand, and we know that Jesus was born by the Virgin Mary. How did that happen? An angel appears and says, you're going to have a child. She says, how is it going to happen? The Holy Spirit is going to come. That's the miracle of the birth of Jesus. That's in the book of Luke. In the book of Acts, same in the beginning, Jesus says, I'm going to birth the local church. And the disciples are like, how is that going to happen? Exactly the same way. The Holy Spirit is going to come, and it's only through the presence of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit can we actually step into that level of transformation, the level of love, the level of forgiveness that we need to push past offense, and we can actually begin to live out the ways of Jesus and encourage one another in our local church to do that. This is a miracle of the local church, and I believe this is the miracle of the local church. The second thing that planting means is this. To be planted means that we have no plan B. 
To be planted means that we have no plan B. To be planted by God means that we find ourselves in places of God's choosing and not our own. Now, I, I understand how difficult that statement sounds. There are many things in life which we jump in and out of, and that's good. We, we change jobs, change clothes, hopefully. Have different houses, different cars. Things don't work out. God calls us when we're planted to have no plan B. What do we mean by that? I'm where God has chosen me. That my whole life is going to be committed to remaining in God's love and to loving others. So whatever happens to me, that's what I'm going to be. That's where I'm going to be. Titles will change. Our jobs will change in the church. 20 years from now, I'll probably my season will be done leading this church. We're raising up other leaders. That'll change. But my love for Jesus won't. My love for you and other people in church won't. Because that's what I've chosen. And I'm really comfortable to be in that space for the rest of my life. Well, what happens when you have bad days? What happens when you're disappointed? What happens when others have let you down? What happens when you let others down? What happens when things don't work out the way that you that you wanted them to work out? What happens when people offend you? What happens when you offend other people? I'm just going to keep coming back to God, I love you. I'm going to keep coming back to walking and following the ways of Jesus, which is this. I'm sorry, would you forgive me? Or, you've hurt me, can we talk about it? Or, let's go on this journey together of following Jesus. Let's pray for one another. Let's encourage one another. This is what it means to have no plan B. And the final thing, we're going to sing together in a moment is this to be planted means we trust God's plan, process, and timing. Does anyone struggle with this? Okay, how about I should have put on this instead, I crossed that out. I was like, we expect things to happen instantly (laughs) with very little fuss, hard work, or commitment. Yes, and everyone's like, yes, this is the best sermon I've ever heard. Wasn't that a great word from Pastor Andrew? I really think he's onto something here. <laughs> we, are, we are trained in our life for instant gratification. As I said before, there are people, brilliant minds right now, thinking of ways to take your money away from you through making buying stuff really easy for you. One click. Integrated. Right? Our whole society is training us for instant gratification. If we don't get things instantly, there must be something wrong with me. Or God must hate me. 
He hasn't given. I prayed and nothing's happened. When did you pray? Well, last night. I, I, I opened my door and the car that I prayed for wasn't there. Therefore, God hates me. To be planted means we trust God's plan, process and timing. In the Bible, there was a guy by the name of Abraham and he had the, a promise from God that God would make him the father of many nations. Do you know that actually he is the father of the Arab nations and the nation of Israel? He, is, he actually fulfilled that promise. But back then, there was an issue and the issue was this. He, couldn't, he and his wife couldn't have a baby. And what did Abraham do? Abraham took matters into his own hands and he had a servant and his wife says, why don't you sleep with her and have a baby with her? And it turned out to be a very, very bad idea. It turned out to be tragic. God was still faithful, but there was a child born who was Ishmael and he has been, he is the father of the Arab nations, and the Arab nations and the Israeli nations have been in conflict ever since. We want to take matters into our own hands. We want to say, God, I, I believe that what you said is true, but I'm going to do it in my own way. That's not planting, that's not allowing the process, that's short circuiting the process. And there will be a result that happens that you didn't intend and will be tragic for you and cause you a lot of pain. Here's the alternative. Rest in God. Stay connected to God. Be like the tree, not the wandering person around when things get tough. And I'd encourage you that this is a steadying word and a grounding word that requires us to learn how to delight in God. Now that idea might, for some of you, be like, what are you talking about? I have never heard that. Or that sounds stupid. But when you start to begin to experience that, something will change in your life. And you say, God, I don't know what this looks like. For me, I've never done it before. Or maybe I have done it, I've stopped doing it. I'm just going to sit and I'm going to open your word. I'm going to open the Bible and I'm going to pray and say, God, help me. I'm going to talk to someone else in this church and say, hey, I've noticed you've done this. How could you help me do that? This is what it means to be planted. And I think it's the most wonderful thing Thanks for joining us for this message. We hope that it has inspired you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about City Lights Church at city-lights.church.